Thank you, Father, for fresh fire burning our hearts and minds. Resting tongues of fire, Pentecostal glory, Acts chapter 2. It's really the consummation of humanity, the filling and indwelling of the baptism of fire. Fire is so common in Scripture, we almost take it for granted, but it needs to be a continuous baptism. And we might dive into some deep things, whatever God the Father wants to do here tonight. We just give our hearts and minds and flesh to the Holy Ghost to do whatever you want to do. Not our will, but yours be done. And we will follow through in absolute surrender. That should be like honey on your lips. Absolute surrender. <laughs> it is. Oh, I love surrendering to your fire. We come as willing sacrifices. Living and willing. Whoa. Take us into new realms through the fire of God. I will open doors that no one can shut. How do they get open? Only through burning. <laughs> the path of the righteous shines ever brighter to the full dawn of day. What is the ever brightness of the path of the Lord? Ever increasing fire. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. What's a lamp? Fuego de Dios. In el nombre de Jesus Cristo. Espíritu Santo Fuego. Jesus, burn us up. <laughs> Fire even sounds a little spicier if you say it in Spanish, doesn't it? It's got to be the food. <laughs> Ooh. Glory. Mm. The sizzling of the seraphim. Taking the fiery coals of the Father's heart and putting them to our lips. And then we're like, woe is me. <laughs> we all go through the woe is me phase, don't we? It's okay, keep going. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Not camping out in the valley. Aren't you glad there's a through and not pitching a tent? You're not building a hut. You're not building a house. You're going through, and God has already built his house. As you go through, you find the mountain of the Lord. How does the mountain of Holy Ghost fire, called Zion, rise as chief of all the mountains in the last days? Isaiah 2. By people that continue to go through the valley. What's the valley? The valley of the shadow of death. 
It's the earth. What are the tar pits of Abraham's five kings? Genesis 14. It's the low place of the earth. Wow. <laughs> it's the places that need fire most of all. You go through them to fill them. It says, as they walk through the valley of weeping, they turn it into the Garden of Eden in Psalms. Baca. It's a valley of weeping. It's a valley of separation from the fire of God. People think of fire and they say, oh, punishment. God's going to beat me up. The religious spirit's influence. God's not going to beat you up. He's going to heal you up. God will beat up sin. He will beat up sickness. He will beat up religion. He will beat up the accuser. And he will become closer than a brother as your defender, your shield, your high tower, your clothing, your garments, your everything. God is becoming your everything. That's the mountain. The valley is when he's not your everything, that there's other things in the valley. If you are going through any other experiences in your five natural senses other than God's glory, you're dealing with the other things called the valley or the wilderness right now. This is not the wilderness of others. This is the wilderness of our own souls. Brother Lawrence called it the dark night of the soul. You could call it just the valley of the shadow of death. David had it. Can you imagine being anointed? Don't you know I'm anointed? This is my nation. <laughs> Never had that attitude. That's how he kept going through. <laughs> Psalms 23, he kept going. I'm the anointed one of God. God anointed me. He picked me out of all my brothers. Never. Never did he boast. At least not recorded in the Bible. I'm sure he did. <laughs> the anointing doesn't boast. The anointing is humility. The anointing serves. The anointing burns. It's the fragrance of the burning of the anointing oil. What did they do with the oil in the temple? They burned it in a menorah, and it was the only light in the holy place. We want to get into the oil, want to get into the fire, want to get into the sacrificial system of the new covenant through understanding the Levitical system of the old. It's so, so profitable for wisdom. <laughs> Mentioning today on Facebook, can you imagine in the old covenant if people brought priests to sac uh, people brought priests to sacrifice to the Lord. They brought animals to the priest to sacrifice to the Lord. And they didn't burn the animal. They just let the animal live. They're like, hey, animal, you can live in the temple. That priest would be fired that day, sent home, and no longer ever serve in the temple. Does that not represent not allowing the animal of our own flesh to live, the animal must die. All the thousands of years of Old Covenant, Old Testament, sacrificial system, 
is for you to understand the thoroughness of the fire of God. What is God trying to do to you? He's trying to kill you with love. Kill him with kindness. You know, gentleness is a fruit of the fire of God. It's a gentle fire. It is not an angry fire. The devil's fire, the strange fire, the fire of hell is an angry fire. That's not heaven's fire. Heaven's fire is the fire of love, the fire of joy, the fire of peace, the fire of gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, the fire of self-control, the fruits of the Spirit are fire. The tree of life is symbolized as the burning bush. It's a tree that's on fire but not consumed because it is the consuming fire. You know the verse, Hebrews chapter 12, our God is an all-consuming fire. And so they looked for a sacrifice, and it's like, really, the sacrifice is me? Isaac? Human? We're getting into human sacrifice now. <laughs> it's the fire of the Holy Ghost for a human sacrifice. Do you understand the new covenant is 100% human sacrifice? People are like, the unrenewed minds, like, really? Like, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the killing people now? Jesus spoke in this language called wisdom, and they misunderstood him. And the Bible says in John 6, 6, 6, that no one could walk with him after that point. And they all turned back. See, wisdom is a fire. The Word of God is fire in my bones, Jeremiah chapter 5 says. How much wisdom will you allow to devour the animal sacrifice? You've heard of the mark of the beast. What is beast? The first reference of beast in scripture refers to the animals. Who's pastoring the animals? Adam and Eve. Naming the animals. He named them beast. Man named it beast. And it says, God named them stars, and Adam named them beasts. So, Adam named the terrestrial, Jesus named the celestial. And both were pastored by God and his son, Adam. Literally for eternity. Because time started at the fall. <laughs> How long did Adam and Eve stay? There was no time then. There's no time in the glory. There's no time in the fire. Understand the word fire, Moses and the burning bush. The word for the burning bush is the word Shekinah. It was the fire that consumed the bush but the Bible says it was Shekinah, so it's glory, fire. So the fire that devours the animal sacrifice, human flesh, human blood, the mark of the beast and the head in the hand, the dogs of Jezebel, 
the hounds of not hell the hounds of heaven are only eating fire hounds are only eating fire angels are only eating human flesh and blood and the real stronghold according to revelation that takes incredible wisdom it's not literal otherwise you don't need wisdom John says it takes great wisdom to interpret this little scroll meaning nothing is literal in that book it's all the mature language Paul says there's a language spoken amongst the mature called wisdom wisdom is the language the father speaks and we're under governors and tutors until we can learn to communicate he says when we're an infant we don't know how to talk because we can't speak the language of the archangels we can't speak the language of God the Father the language of Gabriel Raphael Uriel Michael we need to learn how to speak the language of wisdom to communicate at higher levels it's the language of the angels people it's the language of the Word of God on fire not the dead letter that kills not the word that's not on fire the spoken rhema word the word that is a flamethrower the word that knocks Saul of Tarsus on his butt off the donkey and slays him and all of his religious pride gets burnt up literally so burnt up with the flamethrower of the Holy Ghost <laughs> that his natural man that thought he saw is physically blinded for three days that's the fire of God what did it do oh the fire is it punished Satan in his blood it burned the serpent in the garden out of his garden Paul shipwrecked shakes the snake off after he starts the fire are you telling me that until we get the baptism of fire until we become burning men and burning women we haven't even shaken the snake off the scales haven't come off our eyes that's right seven blazing torches sent from the lamb that was slain revelation 5 6 into all the earth is the only divinity on this planet right now his presence his fire <clears throat> is burning how do you experience God by bringing the sacrifice of an animal is there a man or a woman that didn't bring sacrifice I mean you have every example of every person in the Bible brings a sacrifice brings an offering Abraham brought the offering of his firstborn son God brought the offering of his firstborn son on the altar of Calvary. Saul gave up his entire life as a Pharisee, the highest level of education. Pharisees were all millionaires. It was upper class lifestyle. Gave up his house, gave up his wife, gave up his children to be an apostle. He sacrificed all. You know what the heroes of Hebrews chapter 11 are? People who allowed the fire to be their God. That's all they did. 
They all had different works, but it was the fire that did the works. And only the works of the fire of God have any rewards. Let's do a little word study here. Wow. Great fire. Just learn to rest in it. It's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. And the Spirit was speaking to me today from this verse. And he says, the escape from the burning house. Now, if it can be burned, do you understand it's not God? The believer's rewards are everything tested in fire. We know the fire is the person of the third person, the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is sent here to teach, correct, and rebuke all of our human ways. So the saving from the burning house the house that can still burn is the wood, hay, and stubble of man's building, specifically referring to man's religion. Things that your blood are capable of doing, things that your bones, your brains, and your hearts are capable of doing is the house of man. Now, that's wonderful, and we talk about that revelation all the time because that's all man is capable of. Now, what's fascinating here is that the fire is the house of God. 1 Corinthians 3.15 The fire of God's house tests the wood, hay, and stubble of man's house. You have two houses here. You can call it two trees in the garden because the tree is the wood of all building. We just said earlier that the fire of God is the house of God, the tree of life of God in the garden of God. But do you realize the wood, hay, and stubble is all human buildings symbolized by Canaan. You'll live in houses you did not build. Whoa. Someone built them. Who? The wicked. What's the wicked? Unburnt flesh. Flesh that is not disciplined and controlled by the fire. Flesh that has not been offered to God as a living sacrifice is the wild beast of Revelation. Passion Translation is so wonderful. It calls the beast, the wild beast, and the false prophet, you know, is Jezebel, and you have the red dragon. So you're dealing with the pride of the red dragon, the lust of Jezebel. And you're dealing with all the building of the wild beast, which is flesh controlled by the crocodiles and the frogs of the river Nile. Blood that is unburnt, unsacrificed on the altar of the Holy Ghost fire to God the Father. It is all undisciplined flesh on earth. And it's been building in seven continents, hasn't it? Satan was defeated at the cross. Guess what? Your enemies were hired to build through undisciplined, uncrucified, un 
authorized fire your inheritance just like the Canaanites. Do you understand that? God has always used rebellion to build for his covenant obedient people. So you can't get angry at the rebellious. You can't get rash like Moses. You get wise in wisdom. You get wise in fire. This fire is the fire of wisdom, the fire of love. As the fire of wisdom grows in your hearts, your purification, your cleansing, your glory will increase and it will confront things around you and other people not as discipled, not as wise. There are measures in all things of God. It's not wise, unwise. It's measures of wisdom. What does the Bible say? Proverbs 9. Wisdom's building seven pillars. How many of y'all know you can have one pillar an inch tall? You're saved. You're going to heaven. You got fire insurance. If you were to die tonight, you'd fly out of that body. You'd be with God. I don't want to have a one inch pillar. I want to have seven pillars that are like skyscrapers that hold up the sky, the firmament, like a canopy in a dome of love. Amen. The tabernacle of David is those seven pillars that hold up the tent of meeting God in the presence of his glory fire. There are measures of this fire, people. You can bring the dove. How much fire does the dove take? These are Old Testament prescribed Levitical sacrifices. They would come and bring the animals, which was their food, their livelihood, representing the wealth of their house and their family. It did. Some would, a rich family would bring a bull, a poor family would bring a dove. True story. Dove costs about $20, a bull costs about $10,000, if not way more, depending on the bull. And they would bring the sacrifice and they would burn it as an offering to God. You understand, for thousands of years, the sacrificial system. That's why the animals had to be saved because the animals were the prescription to cover man's sin for thousands of years until Jesus Christ died on the cross. And now you no longer need the animal covering. What was the clothing that God made for Adam and Eve after they left the glory? An animal skin, animal coverings. It was a prescription only for an allotted time until the marriage garments of the Lamb would come and clothe the nakedness of the man and the woman. Remember in the glory, they didn't even know they were naked. Why? They didn't even know they had flesh. You read the book of Adam and Eve? Highly inspired first century writing. In the book of Adam and Eve, it says that the first man and the first woman your grandma, your grandpa, did not know they even had physical bodies until they left the glory of God. Can you imagine burning that hot in the glory fire of God the Father that you didn't even know you had bones? That was their experience for eternity until they stepped out of the glory, until they stepped out of the fire. Interesting. When they stepped out of the fire, they couldn't get back into the fire. 
They couldn't. The fire guarded them from re-entrance into the Garden of Eden. The cherubim of the glory guarded the gates to the Garden of Eden. Or you could say into Zion, into heaven. And so you have all these types and shadows of the Garden of Eden, of Mount Zion, of everything that the first man, the first woman lost in the whole Old Testament. And through Jesus Christ, you gain entrance back into the fire of God. The flashing sword of fire is called the circumcision of your heart with the rhema word of Jesus Christ. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, that flashing sword that once kept man and woman out of the garden now seals your heart for man and woman to have the garden of God inside their very heart. Where's the Garden of Eden? In your heart. Song of Solomon says, I have found the promised land within you. Have you? Have you found the promised land inside your heart? That's where the Garden of Eden is. That's where Zion is. I'll tell you an experience I had. I think it was 2010. We went to a conference over in Wisconsin. We're in Fox River Valley. Tremendous signs and wonders. I remember driving over there and I prophesied for about four hours. I just couldn't shut up. You know, sometimes you get so possessed with the Holy Ghost. It's just, <laughs> you ever be so possessed with God that it just completely rivals the Gadarene demoniac? <laughs> you, just, you know what I mean? Like, it'd break the chains off of me. You think, well, they say they call it bondage. They call it being in chains well he would break the chains he had like demonic strength demonic power demonic possession with 6,000 evil spirits so super possessed that even the most in bondage person in Israel the Gadarene demoniac couldn't be held in chains is that wild that kind of power you got to imagine yourself being that possessed with God <laughs> He had such a hole in his heart that when he encountered Jesus, 6,000 evil spirits came out, went into the pigs, and the Bible says that the man went into the town and led 10 cities to Jesus Christ. He did more than even the woman at the well. The greatest evangelist in the New Testament is the Gadarene demoniac. Do you, you know that? written in the scriptures. I know Paul did bigger stuff, better stuff, but in the Gospels, he did the most. That's wild evangelism. The apostles did not do that much. It's true. Why? It takes a level of possession beyond comprehension. Do you understand that Luke 17, 21 says, the entirety of the kingdom of heaven is inside you. Your body is not six feet tall. Your spiritual body bears the image of God. How big is God? We know sound doctrine says God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's a huge God. Well, do you bear his image? How do you think that a six foot tall Israelite could fit 6,000 demons? A demon is 10 feet to 30 feet tall inside a six-foot body because they didn't live 
in his flesh, they lived in his spirit. Inside his flesh, in his spirit, could fit a whole legion, a whole army of fallen angels in it. Now that's in the counterfeit of the demonic, and Jesus set him free, so he came right into the Holy Ghost angelic. But have you? Have you got so possessed that you could prophesy for four hours uncontrollably? You know, you lost control when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Who told you you could turn it off? Who told you you could control the Holy Spirit? They taught us this false doctrine in the assemblies of God that you can now control the Holy Spirit like a water faucet on and off. They told me for years, and they still preach this doctrine in the assemblies of God. God bless them, but it's wrong. It is so wrong. It is so wrong to try to control the river, control your tongues. But the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I tell you what, the self-control that the Bible mentions is being possessed beyond the Gadarene. Possessed by God. Hallelujah. We need that level of possession. We will not get far without it. We will think we are in control of the river. We will think that we are in control of the Holy Ghost. What does the Bible say? Romans chapter 8. Only those whose brains are controlled by the Spirit of God are at peace with God. Is your brain in control of the Spirit? You're at war with God. Is the Spirit in control of your brain? You're at peace. Peace be with you, my peace I give to you. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Amen. Father, increase your peace. We need it. We have all kinds of stuff on our hearts and minds. It's not the fruit of the Holy Ghost. It's the fruit of sin. It's the fruit of the flesh. What is the answer to the thorns and thistles? The fruit of flesh. The fire of God. If you would be so bold today to bring your thorns, to bring your thistles, what is man's ability? What is man's crown? It's a crown of thorns, people. Oh, it must burn. The fire of God himself is your crown of everlasting life, your crown of peace and your crown of burning anointing oil. And it is so gentle. It is so not angry with you. See, the fire will reveal the darkness in the places we hide, in the places we don't bring sacrifice. Do you understand? Scripture says, and if they don't bring sacrifice, they'll have no rain. And we're like, oh, it's the Muslim nations. Sure. Do you understand it's the areas of your soul you haven't brought to the fire? That there's no rain in those rooms right now in your mind. They're dormant and in darkness. Be transfigured by the renewing of the mind, by the washing of the water of the word. Romans 12.2 says, metamorphosis is your promised land as you bring your brain to the fire. These thoughts and strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10.5, must be torn down and brought into submission to Christ. And Christ is the fire of the Holy Ghost, the anointing on fire inside your spirit. Not just your spirit only, but in your heart. And not just your heart, in your blood. 
See, the fire of God mixes with your blood. Jesus said, just drink my spirit. Oh, whoa. Do you realize he never said that? He said, drink my blood, because blood is the mixture of spirit and flesh. John 666 is when Jesus told 5,000 people to drink his blood. And it says, and many could no longer walk with him. Why? Gnosticism, people, they didn't have faith for transforming the natural realm. Don't even think about going into the devil's territory. You might redeem something out of the occult. You might redeem something out of drug culture. You might give the devil a hard time and the kingdom of hell might not prevail against you. <laughs> Amen. Think about it. What are you conquering after you're born again? If you didn't need apostles and prophets, you just have evangelists and assassins. If the natural realm is unimportant and there's nothing here except getting born again, all you'd need is evangelists and assassins. One to get you saved, the other to blow your head off so you go to heaven because there's nothing to do. The world's too far gone. Take me home, Lord. Hey, come on. We are more than conquerors, meaning we're not just conquering the spirit. We're not just getting the fire insurance. We're getting the natural insurance, and you guys know we need that today because of car accidents. <laughs> you need natural insurance and spiritual insurance because you are taking both realms. God has anointed you to conquer. Do you realize that the old covenant said, I have given you the covenant to make wealth. Oh, here we go with that prosperity. God. No, I'm just quoting scripture. You can interpret it however you want. The covenant to Abraham, scripture vividly says, I have given you the covenant to make wealth. Have you used the anointing to make wealth? Or do you have a poverty and religious spirit working in you, telling you money is evil? No, the roots of money, meaning if you have it in your heart. Jesus had a treasurer. Let's go after this demon and burn it. Jesus had a treasurer. Jesus wore a seamless garment. Jesus was receiving one liter of nard. Do you realize the seamless garment is worth $100,000 today? The Himalayan nard of Mary Bethany is worth $55,000 today. The treasure system of having a treasurer, which the Bible explicitly says Jesus had. Yeah, I know it was Judas, but why did he betray him? Because he was holding all the money. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that would have been a huge temptation for Peter, John, anyone else out of the 12. But the one that held the money is the one that betrayed him because it was a lot. They said, should we go and buy food for all these 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people? Because the women and the children weren't counted. It would take three years wages, which would be $150,000, which the Bible says they had in their possession to go buy. And they were like, poverty mentality. I ain't spending 150 grand on lunch today. Cheapskate. <laughs> and Jesus wasn't either, even though they had it. He said, bring the boy. <laughs> Do a sign and wonder instead. Go easy on the visa today. Hallelujah. <laughs> and they did. And they multiplied it. And they made 150 
because the Bible says three years wages, $150,000 lunch. The average wages back then was about 50 grand in Israel. The Bible uses those measurements in the Gospels several times. So, we have a treasure system. We have the fire of a treasure system that's burning out a system on earth that's constructed of our own minds. We're going to go into the gospel. What's the gospel? Four living creatures. You know what the Spirit of God was telling me today? Do you understand the dogs of Jezebel? What are the dogs of Jezebel? They, you know, Jehu, the king of Israel, Elijah, Elijah, the eunuchs push the witch of hell out of the window. And Jehu trampled her with his three white horses. And the three white horses killed the witch. And then it says the dogs ate all her flesh and blood and left her head and her hands. Okay, so we have dogs there. The Lord told me that the dogs ate the flesh like the four living creatures, the gospel, will eat the flesh of the nations today. See, but not physically, although it will be physical. It'll be the supernatural glory fire of God that will devour flesh, but it will not be consumed. The flesh will just have Satan eaten out of it by four living creatures represented. I bet you there were four dogs. How many of you all, all want to bet? Cast some lots right now like the apostles. Cast some lots. They gambled. Who would be the next apostle? Let's bet. I bet you that Jehu had four dogs representing Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the eternal gospel, the four living creatures, the four faces of God that ate the flesh of the witch. Do you understand the hounds of heaven will eat all flesh and blood? Jesus Christ said, I've come to bring fire. Oh, how I wish it was already kindled. He was bringing the dogs of Jezebel. He was bringing the four living creatures. He was bringing those wheels within wheels. He was bringing fire on a level. He was bringing heaven's armies of seraphim fire to the earth to devour all flesh and blood. And it's so wonderful that God allowed the old covenant to eat every part of humanity except the head and the hand where the mark of the beast is in Revelation. Why? Father wanted his dogs to eat the rest. I'll let the old covenant dogs, the natural dogs, Jehu's four dogs, eat Jezebel. But you know the father. I want the grand finale. I'm going to eat all the spiritual dogs. I'm going to devour all the bloodlines, all the crocodiles in man's blood, all the frogs in man's blood, and I will have the last word. And I will bring the permanent, perfect realities from the types and shadows. People, that is the new covenant. That is the promise of an earth eaten by the four creatures of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, it's not like who's bringing revival. Get a vision for planet earth as a fiery coal in the seraphim tongs. I sowed a seed. Can't you just see the seraphim coming down from God the Father and touching the prophet's lips? Don't you know 
that that little tiny speck out of God's heart is no different to him than the speck of planet Earth. It's just a little coal to a great big God. This planet will be the fiery coal. And you can see Jesus holding the tongues. The high priest is working in the fire of God night and day, for our God never sleeps. Some of you are experiencing the fire so strongly that you're up for days on end. That's normal. The fire is eating your blood. The fire is eating your frogs. The fire is eating your pride. The fire is eating your sin. It's eating your bloodlines. It's eating your DNA. The Holy Ghost came into Mary and conceived a child through a virgin. Do you understand the DNA of God? Do you understand the DNA of the seraphim, the DNA of the cherubim, the DNA of heaven? Heaven's DNA is that fire that is correcting Earth's fallen DNA. Fire is the DNA of God. You were conceived and born of the fire of God. You are of the divine class of beings that created the heavens and the earth with a whisper, that created the natural fire. So to practice natural fire, religion, strange fire, the light that's in you that's darkness, that is not the divine fire, not the fire that God started, the fire that man started the sons of Aaron brought the fire they started to the ark and what came out of the ark the real fire and the Bible says smote them <laughs> and what's so phenomenal of that story and we're like oh you're rejoicing over the dead I'm rejoicing over Satan I'm rejoicing over Jenny's and Jambres you can pray for us we might still be a little sick about that because we've been so tortured and tormented by Satan our whole, our whole lives of ministry since we've been born of the Holy Ghost. Been trying to be killed by the enemy every day since I've been born again. He's been trying to kill me because I won't calm down in the fire of God. And we've decided to fight fire with fire. Fight hell's fire. What's the fire of hell? The fallen angel's pride with heaven's fire. What's well, heaven's fire? Love. Wisdom. Since love is pretty much an unknown substance, most accurately for teaching purposes, call the fire of God wisdom. Seven pillars of fire, the menorah of the Holy Ghost. Have you been baptized in fire? What is the measure of your burning? That is the measure of your animal new covenant sacrifice. You can feel it. Can't you just feel your ears on fire? Your ears are burning right now. It's a perfect temperature in here. But the ears and the face and the jaw and the bones and the brain and the forehead is exuding the fire of God. Let it be baptized upon your bones today. Let it change your bloodline. Let it cleanse your Nile and lift your blood up to God the Father like Jesus Christ. First to raise from the dead. What is the moral re resurrection of Philippians 3.11? The resurrection of your blood to God the Father. Woman, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Then he's the firstborn amongst many who rise from the dead, Scripture says. Firstborn from dead blood into living blood. 
the life is in the blood. Well, obviously not that much since we're still dying. So our blood has to be lifted up into heaven and our blood has to change. Do you realize Jesus gave his human blood to God and God transfigured his blood? Do not ascend, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended. He ascended 2,000 years ago. He was only hanging around Israel for 40 days after he was raised from the realm of the dead. And his blood was still human blood. Philippians 3.11, he was changed. He was resurrected. He was raised higher than the earth into the cloud. And he fills the universe with his spirit, Colossians says. You will do the same thing as you bring progressive sacrifice of your animal nature. Especially where? Out of the head and the hand. Wow. No longer working by the sweat of your brow, tilling the land. It's the total reverse of the curse in the fire of God. What were the two areas that the man, Adam, was cursed? when he left the glory of God. The sweat of the brow and the toil of the land, the head and the hand. Whoa, original sin. Getting burnt out of your heads and hands. That's the baptism of fire. See, the fire of God, like the false Pentecostalism where you can turn off the speaking in tongues. Listen, man. People try to turn off the fire of God. I know all of you are trying to turn off the fire of God this season. This is the most fiery season ever. Some of you have learned to love the fire. To burn and bake in the fire. You're the bread in the oven. You're the showbread. He's the priest baking you. Wow. And he will bake you until every drop of yeast is burnt out of you. He will bake you into perfect bread. God is also a baker. We learned yesterday he's a perfumer. Man, it's like home ec class with Father God. <laughs> Next thing you know, you got to carry a little plastic baby around for a week. <laughs> you remember that? You remember when they had you put the condom on in home ec? I couldn't believe that, man. I was even embarrassed back then as a sinner. What's wrong with these people? Well, we've come a long ways from moral decadence, haven't we? Well, the fire of God has brought us. The fire of God survives in your life by eating lust. So since the fire we know is an all-devouring fire, do you realize what it's devouring? Every day I hear from the young people, because that's the biggest temptation, is lust for guys, pornography. I'm sure girls looking at pornography too. And, and it's the eroticized image of a partner, of a spouse, a husband, a wife, and boyfriend, girlfriend, and all the loneliness you deal with, and all the, all the stuff. You have the human nature wanting to give and take in marriage. And it's okay. But I'm telling you guys, the fire, when it comes upon you, and just because you're just raging with the false fire of lust, lust is a fire. <laughs> they call it the itch in the realm of the demonic. 
the itch, the angry itch that you have to masturbate, that you have to jerk off, that you have to touch private parts, that you have to molest yourself or molest someone else. And you get real with the fire of lust. And you deal with the fire of lust, with the fire of God. And the more that you are tempted by lust, the greater the standard of the fire of holiness will flood you. So what young people often haven't learned is God has entrusted you with so much fuel. Look at all the wood, hay, and stubble, not Satan, that God has given you as priests of fire to burn. It is actually a privilege that he's entrusted you to devour that much lust. People see it as a negative thing. I see, you understand manure is what takes to grow trees. The measure of the manure in your life is the me measure of your potential to burn in the fire of God. Look at every person's. Luke 747, whoever's forgiven much, loves much. The issue is when we get into self-righteousness and don't realize it's all manure, we don't give the fire or the tree of life much to grow in the root system of David, the roots of fire. And we cling and hold on to all this crap in our life that we deem as good, which we judge unrighteously in ourselves, because the human brain is incapable of judgment. Judge not, lest you be judged. The measure of judgment that you judge others will be used to judge you. I want to get into the measures of judgment called the fire of God. Come on. And so it's like when people judge you, when your measurements are in the love of God, the fire of God, the burning of the animal sacrifice, what that does, it brings manure. Yes, there's a shaming, there's a dishonoring. For what? What are you, what are you going to do against God? You think you can dishonor God? You really can't. You can dishonor idols. God's not an idol. God is an all-consuming fire. So a lot of us have an external image of God that is an idol that isn't the living, breathing fire and furnace on the throne, the white throne judgment seat of Christ. Try dishonoring that. Are we dishonoring it in theory because we have an external religious demon as our God? Or is God an all-consuming fire in our soul where it's actually quite funny? And it's so interesting that living in this realm of fire, living with the seraphim armies for so long to watch what easily offends the idolatrous Christians because they're desecrating their sacred images, the image that you have of God, the image that you built of God. That's not God at all. God's not an image constructed in the human mind. God is a fire that's way stronger than the noonday sun. So what can man ever do to God? You understand, Jesus only went to the cross because he obeyed his Father so that you could go into the fire of God. Jesus said, I could bring 12 legions right now and smoke you. Pontius Pilate, you're dead. Your children are dead. Pharisees are dead. Sadducees are dead. I mean, do you understand that Jesus brought military war threats to Pontius Pilate? He said, if... If I wanted to, my father would give me more than 12 legions of angels. What's 12 times 6? Woo! Is that 72,000? Oh my gosh. 72,000 warring angels upon Satan and his angels. I mean, smoked. You understand one angel in the Old Testament killed 172,000 Assyrians in one night? 
one angel, the Bible says, killed 172,000 men in one night. What could 72,000 angels do? You could start over with the new earth and kill every person on the planet in one night. That's what 12 legions could do, people. Obviously, God didn't do that because he wanted to start on the inside of you. This isn't days of Noah externally. This is days of Noah internally. I will never bring that type of judgment again, declares the Lord. The type of judgment I will bring in the future will be the fire of God. And that's what we preach. We preach the devouring dogs of the gospel. I tell you the truth. An accurate preacher releases the hounds of heaven's fire like Jehu and his dogs on Jezebel's flesh. It will begin to torture your demons, torture your pride, eat it. You will have to run for your life as if you're in a junkyard and you got four Doberman pinchers that have been starving for a week on your ankles. You're about to have your feet eaten off. They're starving these dogs for intruders. The intruder of sin. And this is the time, and I am so excited about it, that God releases the dogs of the gospel. You think it's going to be a clean, theatrical show? God likes it messy in the stable. He likes to mess up everything you think is prim and proper. I shall become more undignified than this. The loincloth is coming off. <laughs> That's all he had left. How are you going to get more undignified than that, King David, you freak? <laughs> He's just like, don't even tempt me. He's like, I really don't care. You know how many penises he dealt with in his life? Bags of them. That's how he bought his wives. He was not about to be offended by that. Hallelujah. You need that kind of fortitude. That resolute nature of an all-consuming fire. And how fun it is really to be more than conquerors in the rivers of fire. Daniel chapter 7 says, I see rivers of fire flowing from the throne of God. And then Babylon fell. All it takes is fire and all human building burns. 1 Corinthians 3.15 If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Can your works be consumed by the fire? How much fire? Listen now. There's wood, hay, and stubble. What's stubble? That's dryer lint. If you have a spark, you, f you snap your fingers too hard, lint will catch on fire. So I'm telling you, some stuff is just that easily burnt. Those are the people that are 50 miles away from Red Letter Ministries right now. Because they're lint. Now you have stubble. Stubble takes a candle to start. You can't do it with just a spark. Now wood, especially wet wood, you can't even start with fire. You can't even start some wood with a blowtorch. That's where it gets super deceptive. When you have wood around you and men and women in the glory that are not ignited in the glory that have no personal fire that are not in personal revival 
These are the persons of the wicked you have tolerated in your midst. Well, they can stand in the glory. Look at the foolish virgins. Right there next to the wise virgins. What's wisdom again? Fire. They're right next to burning ones. Wheat and tares. Right next to each other. And since the glory of the wise one was covering the, the foolishness of the foolish one, almost no one can tell the difference. Until what? It came to a certain measure of fire, of external fire, and then the man of fire came to the door of fire and pulled the bride of fire into the kingdom of fire. And then the foolish was exposed because they had been stealing the fire from the wise virgins the entire time. That's weeping and gnashing of teeth, people. The realization that your spirit is not ignited. The realization that our hearts are not burning within us as we walk with Him along the way. That you can walk with Him along the way on the road to Emmaus, but not have your heart burning within you? Check your heart. Paul says, examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. What is the measurement of the fire of God currently in your heart? And we all want more. But you want to make sure that you're not leeching off of someone else's fire. I will help start your fire. I will fuel your fire with revelation every day. But you need to have your spirit burning and you need to add to the fire. What is fellowship? I bring my fire, you bring yours, and we burn together. <laughs> and we will burn together. When you're around apostles and mature prophets, it's very easy to just live in the cloud of fire, in the pillar of fire. The challenge is to challenge yourself to start burning, to not get complacent when it's easy around mature ones that have whole canopies and domes of protection. And then the discipline comes out of the cloud and the discipline comes out of the pillar. And it's like, what am I learning? I thought it was okay in this cloud. And it was someone else's fire the entire time. And I've been through that process. I've been yoked to 2,000 pound oxen for 21 years. Every season, there were men and women God had me yoked to, to be here today. There wasn't one season that I wasn't yoked with other believers. Oftentimes, many prophets every single season, especially since I've been in full-time ministry. Before that, in Bible college, there was some alone time in the dark night of the soul in five years of Bible college, 2001 to 2006, just to look inwardly and to see how desperate I need to be for God. Times of crushing, times of aloneness, times of the cave, times of running from Saul, running from the religious spirit. You ever run from the religious spirit? I have. Until I got wise enough to run to it and attack it, which is called ministry. Until you're mature enough, you'll often run from the enemy. Old Testament, the spirit of Elijah ran from Jezebel his whole life. He ran from Jezebel in his death or his ascension. She was still down there, people. Elijah didn't defeat Jezebel. Elisha did, his son. <laughs> but his spirit is still working here as the fire of God, as the prophetic witness of the fire of Yahweh. 
Oh, it's true. I see the fire of Elijah. I see the fire of Moses. And I see the fire of Father God on the mountain of your transfiguration. The apostolic fire, the prophetic fire of Moses and Elijah are still attacking and eating and devouring our religious pride every day. Can you bring sacrifice? Can you let something die? Jesus said, unless you lose your life, you're not find it. What are you losing it to? This same fire that's causing you to wig out. This is the testing of the true sacrifice of the Christian life. This is where it gets real. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is your test. It's not Satan. It's how will you react living in those bodies of flesh and blood to the fire of God that appears to want to make your bodies the sacrifice? Woo! Gladly. Hey, we go like sheep to the slaughter. And you might evolve from a sheep sacrifice to a goat sacrifice to a bull sacrifice. You know, from the bull and only from the bull do you ever become men and women of light. You understand that? There is a progressive sacrifice of the animal nature of the beast. That we bring doves when we're born again. Yay! Wonderful. All the angels rejoice. We bring rams and sheep as we grow in wisdom. We bring whole bull offerings as we tear down our own pride. And the thousand bull offering brought the glory of God into Solomon's temple. How much sacrifice of your flesh can you bring down into the fire of God? The Holy Ghost himself started in your spirit. I know we will bring down the full bull of Bashan, whole burnt offering for this bride of Christ to be fully glorified as the new covenant temple. And that glory that will fill the bride is the fire that will eat her thousand bulls of fallen angel pride. How do I grow in the glory? How do I get drunk in the glory? How do I feel the presence of the glory? Animal sacrifice. <laughs> and nothing else. I only feel it once in a while a little bit. That's the measure of your current sacrifice. And it's truth. And it's good that it confronts the pride in our lives that gets offended by the truth. Because if you believe this truth today, it's an opportunity of greater measures of salvation. And some of these youth that are so desperate that they know the world's total garbage will just run into the four dogs of Jehu. Eat me too. And these hounds, these fire hounds, these fire creatures, these fire animals, these are living creatures, people. These are animals represented in the dogs of Jehu that will devour flesh and blood and leave you completely glorified after you've been eaten by the gospel. The gospel is the fire of God. And humanity is the animal sacrifice. In the name of Jesus Christ, 
If the Holy Ghost is speaking to you about a financial offering, you can give at redlettermen.com and be blessed. We're trying to raise $9,000 for our concrete work. Have a ton of concrete work. We had two men volunteer disciples of Red Letter Ministries coming from New York, coming from Florida to do the concrete work, saving us $15,000. Now we only have to raise the material cost, which will be at least seven to 9000 if not fourteen. So that's our current need right now. Also, we have need to take care of the poor in Africa. You know, we're doing so much work in Nairobi and Kenya. That's an ongoing thing. We haven't had a single missions offering in the month of October, which is okay. I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone. I'm just saying that's kind of strange to me that I always look to see if it's for tithes, offerings, or other or missions. Not a single missions offering. So I'd also, besides our concrete work, when we're pastoring and dealing with RLM Kenya and with Shadrach, God specifically audibly told me to remember the poor. Honestly, I'll, be, I'll tell you the truth, because we had zero coming to missions, I wasn't going to this month. I was not going to remember the poor. The Spirit of God, out of His compassion, said, Remember the poor. I was like, my heart just melted. I, oh my gosh. So if you'd like to give to RLM Kenya, you know the work we're doing in Nairobi, the work amongst the poor. It's a huge fire base. It's a huge operation. It's very inexpensive. It would cost $25 million in the U.S. It's only 25000 in Kenya. And so your support goes a hundred times further in our missions and taking care of our Kenyan family. And if you'd like to give into that, you can give on the push pay link or text red letter to 77977 and designate it to missions. And we'll make sure it gets to our family in Kenya and make sure the poor are taken care of because God says so. If you want to give to the concrete work, you can give to the other or just put a note in there when you give on PayPal. It's, a, it's something we've needed to be done here since we moved in. We really only brought this missionary house in the ghetto up to code when we moved in. And we're just remodeling rooms actually this season. The entryway, our wonderful people here in Minneapolis volunteered and redid, painted the new entryway to into the studio. So room by room, area by area, we're going beyond code into greater fire of excellence. And it's a beautiful thing. So be a part of it. You can sacrifice your financial offerings to the works of this ministry, working worldwide, 20 families on staff getting paid wages, taking care and pastoring thousands and thousands of people around the world, a lot more than you know, a lot more than show up on Facebook. We hear about testimonies from people. I don't even know where these people come from. It is going around the planet. What we bring here often fuels the leaders of cities and nations. I'll be listening to some big wigs and they'll be quoting whole paragraphs from Joel's bar. I'll be like, they must subscribe to the podcast. You are influencing all Christianity as you bring sacrifice into this ministry. God loves cheerful givers. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ as you give and bring sacrifice. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Amen.